0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Alman with the Department of Communication. Today, I'd like to dive right into an extremely important topic. As you know, the past few weeks have been heartbreaking, emotional, and challenging, especially for African Americans and other minorities in the U.S. discuss all that is happening across the country and all that's happening at Michigan Medicine, joined by two members of the Michigan Medicine community. Can we have the two of you introduce yourselves?
1: Yeah, I'm Clarissa Love. I work in the Office for Health Equity and Inclusion. In my role, I serve as the DEI consultant for Michigan Medicine, which includes our medical school. Uh, and I work to support primarily DEI leads uh, and, in court injunction, um, build some educational programs. Uh, I'm so excited to be with my colleague.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Stacey Nguyen. I am also. Um, from the Office for Health Equity and Inclusion. And I am a DEI facilitator and trainer. And that means that I pretty much have conversations around race and identity every day. And I'm happy to be here with you all.
0: Thank you so much to both of you for being here. I know these last few weeks have been extremely difficult. Can you explain some of the many feelings you personally are feeling or maybe others close to you are feeling right now?
1: Yeah, I think for me uh this has been um both heavy and in the uh you know the wonderful piece that was done by our chief diversity officer Dr. Rob Sellers about you know expressing his exhaustion and tire it's definitely been heavy for me just personally as I'm committed to this work um and being challenged by not feeling and seeing the progress um but also on a much more personal note you know, my husband is black, and uh, we live in Ann Arbor. And being in within the community, um, he's had several experiences, and so there's a nervousness that I feel as he leaves, and a fear, um, that I say that every day he comes home, and that lingering feeling is heavy. Um, and during this whole process, you know, as Stacy mentioned, we care a lot about identity. Um, so seeing how African-American men and women have been described that have lost their lives senselessly to murder, um, by the people that are supposed to be there to serve and protect them has just been really hard and difficult to watch, um, and, you know, those, that's really my personal feelings about how I've felt about it.
2: Yeah, I definitely, um, feel the tiredness that Clarissa feels. Um, But along with that, I've been having feelings of guilt. Um, I think that recent events, um, especially with George Floyd in particular, um, those events have really forced me to look critically at my identity um, as an Asian American and think about the role that I've played individually in perpetuating um, anti-blackness in our country. So there's a lot of sadness for me, um, but also a lot of reflection in in thinking about these things. And um, I would say feelings of discomfort in that, I think that you know that there was a an Asian cop his name was Tu Tao um that was present at at the scene of George uh Floyd's death and his presence has has sort of brought up feelings of of that uncomfortableness because I feel like in him um I see myself and uh, I see the role that I've played sometimes in um, in perpetuating anti-Blackness in this country. So that's where I am.
0: Some of what makes these times so profound is that so many are desperate to make their voices heard. How can we change that and make it easier to hear more voices, especially from
1: minorities? Yeah, I think... Um and me and Stacy can definitely piggyback each other on this one and ping pong a bit. I think you know the first step is to just do an analysis of, you know, what do you see and who do you hear? Right. And no matter uh, what you believe in or think, you can you can do a real screen, like, you know, do do I hear voices that have differing perspectives than I have? have I been, you know, who do I invite to my kitchen table? Um, And who who is within my family, right? Uh, And then when the work environment, that physical scan can sometimes just be like, what art is behind me? You get to see mermaids behind me today. But, you know, often in our conference rooms at the hospital, you'll see that they're, people that have been in previous leadership roles and you'll notoriously notice the lack of diversity in those photos, right? And something that sometimes gets brought up is like, are we trying to erase black men? I mean, not black men. I'm sorry. I need to rewind on that. Um, Are we trying to erase white men? And the answer is absolutely not. We need everybody to be at the table um, and we need to hear all voices.
2: Um, But what
1: what is true is that there has been an erasure of black and brown trans, LGBTQ, uh, folks with disabilities, those voices have not been present.
2: Mm-hmm. so we cannot
1: be hearing the full story if we're only getting it from one voice, right? So we don't want we don't want white men and especially white folks to disappear from this conversation. They're integral and necessary for us to move forward.
2: Mm -hmm. And, you know, something that Clarissa and I have also been talking about is anti-racism work is all about action, but also a deep self-reflection. And this is motivated by your own values and what you want to do in anti-racism work. I can't urge you to Read this book or I can give you lists upon lists of resources, but it's upon you to um, to have that urgency to learn more and um, to reflect on on your own role in in how things are working in this country. Um, I also think that conversation has been key to my own understanding and learning and. this is a time for conversation, uh, whether it be with your own family or friends, or with your Black colleagues and friends. Um, this doesn't mean that you're coming to them and asking them what can I do. That is something that you have to figure out on your own. But I feel like Clarissa, you can jump in. But you know, just checking in uh, with with your friends and saying hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you, and I want you to know that I'm here and um, that I'm here for you.
1: Yeah, it's so important, I think, checking in, and it comes in a, a variety of formats. Um, and as Stacy mentioned, right, like, it's on each of us to do our own personal work, and so you can't come to your Black colleagues and say, you know, what do I need to learn? That That's personal for you, and so uh, there's some key resources we'll share at the end that you can use to do that. Um, but the other day, me and my family, uh, it was really nice out, so we decided to take a trip to the local Dairy Queen. And as we were standing in line to get our ice cream, uh, there was a family in front of us. Uh, well, it wasn't, it was part of a family. It was a, uh, a white guy and his kids, and they were three little kids, probably about like six, four, and two. One of the little ones, she got a really little cream cone. It was the smallest cone I'd ever seen. Uh, absolutely adorable. Uh, but as we were standing in line, we were you know making small chat with our social distance six foot apart, of course. Uh, and he turned around to me and he said, "said You know, I'm just so sorry." And he said, "How are you doing?" And in that moment, the way he said it, I knew there was just so much support. And it was honestly my first time I'd been out since. Um, you know out in public for a couple days since all the um, protests were happening and since you know, George Floyd hadn't been um cop had not been charged and so there was just so much angst in the community his how are you just meant so much to me so mm-hmm. you know it's not always doing you know moving mountains that really can be the support that a person needs in a moment
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: but that mm-hmm. checking in can be so key um
2: Yeah, I don't know um, if you notice this, Clarissa, but something that I've been thinking a lot about is really checking in every day with you um, because we work together so closely. But I, I really try to make a conscious effort to check in and say, hey, what's been on your plate today? How have you been feeling today? And are you up to meeting today? If not, It's totally fine. We can do it another time, but I I want to be sensitive to the emotions that you're feeling and um you know where you are moment by moment. And so I I try to make an effort to do that. I don't know if you find that helpful.
1: I do. And you send really cute emojis with it. So it makes it all even better. Um (laughs) Stacy and I both both like plants a lot, uh, and that's a part of how we like take care of ourselves. Uh, and so, during this period of time for me, um, you know, gardening has been a safe source of strength of seeing new life come in the midst of so much hurt and pain and anger. Um, it doesn't make the hurt and pain and anger go away. It realize it makes me realize the need for us to plant seeds to create the new future we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's great advice.
2: Yeah. And you know, I think that along with self-care, I I'm not afraid to go there with people right now. I really do go there and ask them, how are you feeling? I do that. I did that actually with my mom, who isn't really aware of recent, you know, current events um on a normal basis, but I I just thought to ask her about what she thought about what's going on in our country, and I was surprised to find out that she's really saddened by it. And I don't think that I would have found that out if I hadn't checked in with her. And so I feel like these, these conversations um, that just uh, spark, seem to like spark out of nowhere have been a great source of comfort for me and knowing that other people are feeling the same kind of sadness that I am. Um, and that, you know, we're going through this together, but we're going through it differently. And it's based on our identities, but we are going through it.
0: I know that there's a lot of people like me who really want to be an ally and want to know, you know, the best and most effective way to do that. I think to both of your points, just checking in, you know, Oh, and whether it's with a coworker, whether it's with a friend or a family member, and they don't necessarily have to be African-American or another minority, just check in and see how people are doing and how they're feeling. And I think that's sort of you know, one of the major takeaways that I think we all can away from this with, is to a better place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this definitely takes collective work. It's not um, the work of one individual or one collection or community of people. Um, this takes all of us. Uh, and I've, you know, I just left a conversation. And one of the themes that was coming up was, do I right, have a right to speak on these issues? Do I have authority to speak on these issues? And for me, first up, you know, that Stacy mentioned, yes, you absolutely need to do your work. So you need to understand what the history is. You need to understand the context in which you're speaking. That's critically important um so absolutely you have a right to speak and absolutely you have the authority um because this can't be for too long this has been shouldered on the backs of black and brown people to share and tell their stories and then for other people to listen and hear all of the trauma but then not come to action yeah. so we all have a responsibility to come to action um, mm-hmm. and i think I think, you know, we all have networks, right? Like, um, Daniel, I joke with you because we both have spina bifida and we are a part of the disability community. And how do we have these com- conversations within that community? I've been really thinking about that recently because I haven't seen, you know, we get flooded with like disability messages that has to do with disability rights. But when it comes to race, sometimes those same messages are absent. So, um know, each one of us has a sphere of influence, whether it's our family or our coworkers. And so, you know, one of the things that I hope is that we just spark conversations locally where we have influence.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of some of those conversations, you just mentioned a little bit of a, a meeting that you just got out of. I know that members of the Michigan medicine community have been coming together throughout this week, whether it's through town hall discussions or uh, community. Or a, What are some of the things that the two of you are hearing from members of the Michigan medicine community and, you know, how do they sort of feel about the organization's climate right now?
1: Yeah. um, We've been hearing a wide range of experiences and I'll be honest, it's been a tough week hearing some of the stories that have come forward. Um our organization doesn't currently completely reflect the community in which we are seated in, right? Like if you look at the diversity of our organization compared to the diversity of Washtenaw County, it it is not a complete reflection. And so that leads to isolation and loneliness for many are the only minority in their area. Um, And they said there's also been a lot of silence around this Mm -hmm. topic because people don't know what to say. And so, It makes them feel unseen and unheard. Um, Mm -hmm. I also hear from a lot of colleagues that are not African-American or uh, Hispanic or Latino or um, Asian, right? Not a part of our underrepresented minorities uh, in Michigan Medicine. One of the things that we are hearing a lot is just overwhelming sadness and grief. And they want to know where to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and where are we going? Where are we going to stand as an organization? And so, mm-hmm. really proud of the commitment that we've had as an organization. We've been doing this work for a few years, and we're continuing to stay in the fight. And so, mm-hmm. um, um, COVID complicates our ability to gather, and I think that is also challenging. People mm-hmm. want community during this time, and that isn't physically possible.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that I I think about, Clarissa, is just the gravity of anti-racism work, right? We hear a lot that people often feel paralyzed by what they should be doing. I hear that all the time. They're like, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. What should I do? And I feel like we, if you know, if you have If you give people a path, they are more than willing to take that path towards doing the work. They really are. It's just they want to to have some kind of guidance. And so something that Clarissa and I have been talking about a lot is the roles that you play in allyship. We're not asking for (laughs) for racism to end tomorrow. You know, this is a problem that spans hundreds of years, and we don't expect it to disappear overnight, but we want you to to think about what your role is, whether you're a storyteller, whether you are a disruptor, whether you are talented in the arts, or you want to start a book club, or you want to, you know create a social media account or something like that. Those are the small things that really add up and make a huge difference. So it's not as as big as you think it is. Um, You're welcome to to go big or go home. But really, like this is, you know, people are saying this, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And so, you know, you really need to think about your energy. What is What is really possible, you know, in the life that you have and
0: um and yeah. For people who want to start that marathon, what sorts of resources are out there for Michigan Medicine employees? You need a yeah.
1: to Yeah.
0: heard or sort of, you know, make an impact.
1: Yeah, so we uh, Stacy and I compiled a list of resources that are on our re- on our website. If you go to the OHEI website, O-H-E-I, there is on the left tab, there's a, it says anti-racism support and tools. There's a whole list of resources. At the bottom of that page, there's also a, um, if you wanna start having a dialogue in your area, and it also has supports whether or not you're just a team colleague, or if you're a leader, there are some um, some guides there, too. Um, one of the other things that I will point out on that list, uh, the National Museum of African American History and Culture has created an amazing tool about discovering and thinking about race. And I just want to highlight that I think that that is a fabulous place to start. It's well-documented and well-thought-out. Um, but we also have partners that are a part of this work, and so... Um, I think Stacey might could share a little bit about our other partner on Central Campus, Org Learning, uh, is also they have had are creating a series.
2: You know, there are, if you are interested in really reflecting and learning more, there are so many community conversations that we have in line for you. Um, we have workshops in the works in terms of dealing with bystander intervention and de-escalation. Um, I have a workshop in the works about solidarity um, and what that means, and like it, it, it describes a charge that you can take yourself and communicate that to your friends and family of of simple things that you can do um, to be in solidarity with the Black community. So those are a few things that are in the works and will be available to you.
0: Thank you so much to both of you for helping address this topic. If you want to learn more about an upcoming town hall on the organization's climate, or learn tips and resources on how you can become an ally, be sure to visit mheadlines.org was filled with other important stories this week, including recognition of the changes behind health information technology and services and supply chain. have been vital to keeping the organization up and running during COVID-19. we a Q&A with Chief Medical Officer Dr. Jeff Desmond to look inside the mathematical models that are helping Michigan Medicine prepare for COVID-positive patients. All those stories and more at mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. Last week, we asked listeners, what sort of transplant did patient Al Nykamp undergo? He was cured of three diseases in a single day. The answer was a liver transplant. Congratulations to Christopher Bolda, who sent in the correct answer. This, a member of the Department of Communication, will be in touch shortly to help you claim your prize. For this week's question, Supply chain has reached out to partners in which country to make sure the organization has the equipment it needs to keep everyone safe? Once again, supply chain has reached out to partners in which country to make sure the organization has the equipment it needs to keep everyone safe? Find the answer in this week's headline story. Once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for a chance to win a prize. Time we have for this week. Once again, sincerely want to thank Stacy and Clarissa for joining us today. Insight and candor are so important during a challenging time. Of course, I want to thank all of our listeners for everything you do, patients, families, each other. See you
2: next week.